0: Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your life story editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in.
1: Welcome
0: back, storytellers. We are on with Kelly Strongatharm today. She is my guest. And if you've never heard of her, well, you will after today for sure. But let me give you a little snapshot. Kelly is the founder of Rubens Shoes Society, which helps build educational programming and actual schools, I think, which we'll talk about later, for children in the Dominican Republic and worldwide. But she is also a recently published author of the exceptional children's book, I Am Emmanuel. As a child of adoption, Kelly understands the profound need for all children to know belonging and connection, including the character of Emmanuel. I cannot wait to share him with you a little bit today as well. And in 2020, Kelly became a new mom herself, to a beautiful boy from Haiti named Fannelson. And her mission to create impact both at home with Fannelson as well as abroad with her big missions worldwide became her next great purpose. Now we have so much to talk about today, Uh, things like her love of animals, mostly her two dogs, um, but also that her life has recently taken on kind of a rebirth and she has moved to a big giant farm like five acres this enormous property very close to me where hopefully I'll be able to visit and have some wine sooner rather than later during this pandemic or after this pandemic but in any case we have so much to talk about it'll be a hugely dynamic edit so definitely stay with us right till the end lots of juicy stuff we have so much to talk about but Kelly You and I have known each other for quite some time now. We've worked together on multiple projects and, you know, I just love you and I love everything you're all about. But I really just want to start here, like a little girl talk. Um, How the heck has motherhood been for you in the midst of a pandemic, for goodness sakes? I mean, you started your motherhood journey literally in the middle of 2020 in a pandemic. Like, please discuss.
1: Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me and thank you for that lovely introduction. And my feelings towards you are the same. Um, Yeah, so it it was crazy. I brought Sin home um, end of March 2020 from Haiti, and um, right at the peak of COVID, when we really didn't even know what COVID was, right? It was it was just so scary and I had to fly to Montreal um, to meet him and he had to fly from Haiti on his own I mean he was with the, the flight crew but I couldn't couldn't go with him and uh, I actually didn't even know if he was going to make it on the plane I flew to Montreal just hoping that he he made it and I found out when I landed in Toronto but yeah you had to wear the mask it was very very overwhelming um, to say the least but we were reunited and it was Amazing, and I'm so grateful that he made it home when he did. And the interesting thing for us, um, that there was the pandemic is that for us, it allowed us to that time to really bond and get to know each other. Um, yes, of
0: course, especially
1: at the beginning, right? You know, I wanted him to meet all my friends and family, of course, but we weren't allowed to so we just had each other and we really got to know each other through all of that so that first summer last summer was was really impactful for our our relationship as mother and and son and and uh but then through as time went on right and he was not able to to get to know my friends and family it was tough for sure because you know as a new mom you want to to share everything that your amazing Uh, child is right totally to everyone to get to know him and but here we are now he's slowly being able to be introduced to people and um but you know again i think cultural shock everything coming from haiti to canada the fact that we kind of had to be in this little bubble i think was was actually really good for his transition to canada
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. It just gives you maybe some time just to root in and and really get to know each other. And frankly, I mean, I know nothing about adoption or the adoption journey. I just don't have much kind of wealth of knowledge in that space at all. I don't have any knowledge really in that space other than stories from people like you. But I can really just imagine that you're just getting to know one another. I mean, I know your adoption journey is long and you have lots of communication as well leading up, but you get to meet this new human who is your son. I mean, that's so profound in so many ways, but you know, maybe small gifts from the universe as far as the pandemic is concerned to give you some time to really root him in here.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, the thing too is he was seven when he came home. He was almost eight years old, right? Uh So this is different than, you know, a, a newborn and your relationship there. So he's already established as a, as a human right so we really did need to have that time to get to know each other and, and learn so much about each other and there's so much that we are the same but a lot that we're different he of course. introverted he's very extroverted he has a lot of energy and he <laughs> loves to talk and sing and, and just make noise in general so that was a big adjustment for me it's funny because you know you, you think about becoming a mom and everyone tells you you know it's it's a lot of work and it's such a change and you're like of course but you don't really understand it until you're in it and yeah. how much your brain changes um, and that was something that uh, I wasn't really expecting um, and it was it was interesting to you, you, like everything is different your thoughts are completely not yours anymore you're just so focused on your child from... yes i can relate yep. <laughs> Yeah, and, you brain and... disappears <laughs> yeah so it's like you don't even have the the time i sometimes couldn't even understand when some of my friends you know we'd be texting and then like 10 hours would go by and they're like oh yeah sorry and i'm like oh, how could you not but now i'm that person too i text someone at eight o'clock in, in the morning the next thing i know it's 730 at night and I'm like what just even happened with my day um so it is it's totally different um than anything that I have ever experienced before on that side but also on the love side I've Um. never felt this type of love before and you know I work with a lot of kids and I truly do love them but this love this unconditional instant I will do anything for this human being. Love is something I had never experienced. And again, I've heard of it, but I didn't really fully understand it Mm -hmm. until he came into my life. Actually, the second I saw his picture, I just knew I was like, there was no doubt that there's my son. There he is.
0: There he is. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful, Kelly, honestly. I mean, and I love your, your relationship that you have with him. I really can't, again, I just can't wait to be in person and meet him. I feel like I know him so well and I've met him like online, but I have really, really not, which is it's so confusing in the world we live in, in social media and digital media in general, but then you add a pandemic and we really do think, in fact, you and I actually, now that I think about it, I don't think we've ever stood in a room together.
1: Oh my gosh. We've never met. (laughs) I just had that revelation. And I feel like I'm so close to you. That's funny.
0: Isn't that weird though? Like really, really, that is is just, I've just had this huge epiphany now that I'm talking to you. I really, because I just feel like we've known each other for 20 years, frankly, and I have actually never even physically touched you in any way. (laughs) No hugs, no handshakes, like nada.
1: Yeah. That's crazy.
0: That's bonkers. Yeah. What a world, what a world we live in. And honestly, in, so in the pandemic as well. So of course you have this beautiful new family that you're raising. Uh, You are now raising crops. We're just going to like do a quick pivot into what I think is just one of these other, and because it's such a, Core pandemic story in a way is people are really reevaluating the values that they have in their life. They're reevaluating what's important and what's meaningful to them. They're figuring out ways to, I think, work from home more and find more comfort in those spaces. In addition to obviously Fanelson coming home, you like literally bought a new home and you have moved from, it, I don't don't even know how to compare it not five acres you did not live on five acres you moved from no acres to five acres five actual acres and are now a farmer
1: yeah yeah
0: okay so talked i love this so much and i was talking to you before we started recording here that i think um you're like i don't know if people will find farming interesting i'm like i'm so i'm so interested in this and i know that other people are not just because of the farm lifestyle But because of this need to really ground back into nature, to be living, as you said, you're starting a new kind of plant-based lifestyle. These things are really important to people now, I think more than ever, but what was the turning point for you? What kind of cued you up to say enough with this life? I need five acres and I need plants. What was that decision like for you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's something that I, I knew I always wanted to do. I like, dreamt of, of having a farm, even though I've never been, you know, never grew up on a farm or anything like that. And really, aside from little garden plots in my, my previous house, I didn't know much about it, it just something that I really wanted to do. And I, I, as I became more into this plant-based life, I, it was important to me to know exactly what I was consuming, right? And I was like, how great would it be if I actually was the one that grew majority of my food that I was eating and I knew exactly what I was putting into my body. And then when you have a child, you know, you're thinking about that even more and how it's affecting everything about him, his learning, his ability to focus, his everything, right? And so I was... Um, that became even more important to me. And yeah, so that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to, to have the space to um, grow the food that I (laughs) love.
0: And I love that this is like, this is a health decision for you in some way, it felt really more true to your personal mission and personal health journey. And again, I think you're right, your brain does change when you become a parent, you start to think about what you're consuming in a different way. And this was definitely the choice that you made, but there was also something else you said earlier that I found fascinating, which is that you've always craved more space. As I think we all in some capacity love to have space to, to breathe and to grow. But for you, it was even deeper than that. It was like, you really needed the expansiveness and that might be the introversion, but what is it about space and kind of really I, I, want to, I was going to say the word isolation, which doesn't feel necessarily true, but what is it about just the space and the isolation that really brings peace for you personally?
1: Yeah, I know. And I always had this, like, it was like this constricted feeling, like I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, I need more space. I need more space. And I didn't really fully understand what it meant because I didn't think I needed like a bigger house or anything. I didn't certainly didn't even want a bigger house, but it was more just the, the freedom outside space like that's where I do my best uh, visualization when I can get to a quiet space right so I would Mm -hmm. before maybe go for walks and go to the lake but you're never really alone right and so I just really felt that I wanted yeah that that outside space and this Mm -hmm. place definitely provides it it's so peaceful here you can hear all the birds chirping and uh, you know the wind and it's just it's just you feel like you're on a different planet sometimes when you're here yeah
0: I feel that so much and I mean not everybody has the capacity to grow crops on five acres however um I will say that I think everybody has the capacity to find peace in nature at some point I mean access to that is difficult in some urban areas But the more that we can really kind of remember that we need to pause and like be with ourselves for a while, particularly if we're visualizing things or we are, goodness, a new mom, right? It's like, how do we find that pause for ourselves where we can really just breathe for a bit and find space where maybe space doesn't exist? I think that's super important when you're you know, manifesting anything, frankly, but let alone the things you have manifested in your life, which we're going to talk about, including, um, how's that for a segue, including, um, a literal school in the Dominican Republic. Can we talk about Ruben's shoes a little bit? Uh, you are obviously the, the brainchild behind Ruben's shoes and it is in the Dominican, but tell me what and how, just tell me what, why, how, how, why, what Ruben's Shoes, how did it get started? Such a great story.
1: Well, Ruben's Shoes is a named after an actual person named Ruben. So Ruben was a little boy that I'd been sponsoring in the Dominican from the age of three till 10. So for seven years, I was sponsoring him. And you know, you're writing the letters, you're getting to know him. And I wanted to, to meet him. So we, my mom and I went on a vacation to the Dominican Republic, and I asked if I could spend some time with him. And I was allowed to, and we spent the day with him and his sister. So he's 10 at the time. And I felt like I had known him. And there was this instant connection, even though we weren't able to really, you know, share in the same language, we were just able to feel each other's love essentially he's just this most incredible i always want to say little boy he's not little anymore he's 19 and he's he's, he's much taller than me (laughs) um but then he was this this sweet little boy and throughout the day i just kept thinking about how you know how he's no different than a 10 year old boy in canada it's just that he was born into a country with less opportunities and I left my visit with Ruben wanting to do more, but what do you do? How do you create change? Um, And something that stuck out in my head was a lot of kids in this village were running around without shoes on, and I did a little bit of research on that and found out that kids in many countries like the Dominican Republic aren't Mm -hmm. able to attend school unless they um, have a pair of shoes. And so I said, hey, I got friends who have lots of kids who have grow grow their shoes quite quickly. I'll collect a couple hundred pair and I'll go back and hand them out. But as soon as I got home and I I shared my story with the community, it just blew up. And the next thing I know, we were sending 10,000 pairs of shoes to the Dominican a few months later in a shipping container and try to have to figure that out. So that was crazy that's kind of how it all started but then from there it just kept going and going and the organic growth that came from it and the support that we had and just showed me how hungry people were to to help and get involved and they just wanted that that right fit for them and the transparency of it all and being a part of the growth so I think that's what really helped um, guide us too grow the elementary school from the four rooms to now three floors and it houses over 300 students and um, we feed them and educate them and then of course because it's elementary school well we need a high school right the kids were like we don't want to leave the elementary school this is our family we feel very safe here well we need to to build a secondary school which of course again i had no idea how to do but was determined to to make it work yeah and i
0: can't even imagine too the um just the deep amount of kind of research and knowledge that has to be done even just regarding the local area and the challenges with even um just cultural things like the need for children to work in families at certain ages. I mean, there's so much that has to go into this that I certainly don't want to glaze over this as just a couple of great things and some pairs of shoes because you've done some really, really deep and thorough work in as far as organizationally and connecting with people in the Dominican to make sure that this is sustainable.
1: The norm is the children work at very young ages or take care of their siblings um, because their parents need to work and a lot of their stories were, yeah, they're, they're, they're tough and they're, the support isn't there, you know, the government support isn't there the same way as it would be, say, here. And I'm not saying I know there's a lot of, of issues and, and things happening here as well, and I encourage people to get more involved. I really, really do, and follow your heart, right, because we all want to do something, but we can't do it all. So it's, you pick the one thing that speaks to you and, and go after it. But then this happened to be for me in the, in the Dominican and we're doing a little bit more here for sure. But anyway, that's kind of off, off to the side there. No, this is.
0: I think it's all really important and I think it ties in nicely as well with, I mean, everything that you do and on all the conversations I've had with you is like, how do we get more money? How do we raise more awareness? How do we have more people really understand and not just understand about this one charity or this one mission or um, this one particular project, but really for you, and I think this is really a monumental theme in your life that we'll kind of dig in on a little bit here. It's really about letting children Um, or giving children an opportunity to be seen, and to belong, and to feel that they are actually a part of something. And a lot of that is rooted in your own journey, because you as well as being an adopted mom, adopted, I know that is not the right term, we use the term mom, but as well as becoming a mother through the process of adoption, which is probably a better way to say that, uh, you were also yourself adopted. So you were 11 days old, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yes. Did I get that right? Okay. <laughs> 11 days old, um, when you were adopted by your parents and I just wanted you to tell us a little bit about what meaning that has provided in your life and how it kind of has taken you on this journey of seeking out belonging for other people, really helping people feel that they are supported.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's as, as wanted as I felt, because I have incredible parents who really did want me because of their journey too, right? And my extended family, for sure. You still, a part of you can't help but feel unwanted, right? That my biological parents never really got to know me and they perhaps didn't want me. Now, later in life, I was able to, to meet them and, and learn a little bit more of the story, so it's not so much the case, right? But you kind of bring that into your own subconscious way of of life, right? As as a child, thinking that maybe you weren't you weren't wanted, maybe you weren't good enough. What was it, right? Um, and just to be loved for who who you are. So there was always this kind of I don't know struggle internally going on because I did feel so loved excuse me by my parents but also so unloved right and it's just
0: again it's a struggle that I can't even comprehend because I don't have any lived experience here which is why voices like yours are so important in really just opening up and talking about this I just I don't know if it's talked about much I'm certainly not in those circles but this deeper feeling of Did somebody not want me like that's a big question to wrestle with throughout your life. And you've had some major, major life moments where that was in a huge question for you in a lot of ways um, to really witness this journey for you and see how you're translating that into ensuring that other children feel seen and feel wanted and feel like they have a sense of belonging and that people care about them and their futures. I mean, that's pretty powerful. I think.
1: I think that's without even knowing it, that's what I was doing because I could understand on a level that maybe others couldn't really. Um, Uh, That's just it, isn't it? And just seeing these kids for who they are, just for who they are, not from where they were born or their background or their history, just that they're just kids. And that they deserve the same type of opportunities, the same type of love, the same type of life, really, right? So I guess that did come about through my own life, even though looking back through my childhood, like I had an amazing childhood. And I'm so grateful um, that I was placed with my parents because the life that I was given because of them, I wouldn't change a thing, right? Like I... I'm glad this happened for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But it comes with other stuff, just like anybody, right? Everybody has stuff through their past, um, but it's what you do with it and how you learn from it and how you use it in maybe more of a, a positive way.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful reframe. And you've used it in such a positive way, this whole message that you're talking about, which is that at the end of the day, you and everybody else across the world is just a child at some point. They're just children who deserve opportunity. And that was really the inspiration for your book, which I had the honor of working on in small doses along the way, um, called I am Emmanuel. So tell us about this book. And I know that the proceeds for this is all directed to Ruben shoes. So again, it's part of that greater mission. Um, But talk to us about I am Emmanuel and the importance of this book.
1: So, Emmanuel's character is based on multiple stories of the students of the Dominican Republic that I've got to know over the years, right? So, I kind of compiled all their stories and created it into Emmanuel's life. And just showing that Emmanuel is just this beautiful, bright, child that's just no different than any other child around the world he just happens to live in a country with less opportunities and then it just shows what his life is like and so when other kids are reading it from different countries maybe they'll see themselves in a manual um, and but then also see kind of some of the differences and so I wanted to create this book that could be used as a tool to kind of open up these conversations um with children either by the parents or by the by uh educators and have these conversations that maybe people aren't having or they're finding difficult to to open up with and that's basically why I created the book and I also really wanted a book that uh, my son could identify with um right you know there's in, in a positive way Yes, we talk about Emmanuel's life, and that's just his life, but he's, there's still so much positive, exciting, it's fun, it's super relatable, um, and it's easy to, to understand, and mm-hmm. I think people have a lot of emotions as they read it, and it's very interactive, and, and yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. And it takes us through the life of Emmanuel. And I mean, just circling back, because I know I said this at the top, but your son, Fannelson, his origin country is right next door to the Dominican. So this really was a story and a gift to him as well to see that, again, you belong and you are wanted. And all of the lovely things that Emmanuel kind of presents to the world as well. Um, But we follow his journey. And he's just, as you said, he's just a kid. He's just a kid and he's making meaning out of his life or wants to create meaning out of his life and has visions for the world the same way we all do from time to time and we think we want to do bigger things and and brighter things and broader goals and dreams Um, all kids have those goals and dreams this is not unique certainly to a first world country where we say we, just because we may have access to more hopes and dreams and goals uh, doesn't mean that they don't exist for people who live with fewer opportunities around them. So I think you've done a beautiful job really depicting that through this story. It's so beautiful. So it's called I Am Emmanuel. Um, all of the proceeds go to Ruben Shoes Society. And so you can actually buy the book. Now, this will all be in the show notes, of course, but you can actually buy the book at rubensshoes.com. I won't spell it out for you, but please go to the show notes and go find rubensshoes.com and click on it and buy this beautiful book. Buy one for other people in your family, buy more than one copy, take them into the schools. That is so important with the component of education that's built into the narrative here as well. Um, But you can also find it on Amazon. And at some point in the future, which I am so excited about for you, uh, we will also have Kelly's exceptional platform and all of the work, and we'll be able to find all of her projects there. Um, but we're going, this is my, th- see how good I am at circling back. Cause we're going to circle back again um, to your personal brand and to your personal platform and all of the kind of visions that you have for that moving forward is really about pulling people more into your life and connecting with everybody who's out there kind of wondering what's going on in Kelly's life and how has motherhood been and what's it like living on a farm and how is Fanelson doing and all those big questions that we really want to know about you. Um, But really it's rooted in your desire, not just to show people how to grow cucumbers because you don't really know how yet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) but um, just how to create the life you want. And I am, I really want to dig in on this farming stuff a little bit, this big open space that you now have in these crops for anybody who's thinking I could be a farmer. I could do what she's doing. I could really like go for space. What are some of the key things that you learned early on about farming that um, I don't know, share with me the crazy and the hilarious of (laughs) starting a five acre farm
1: um well John Deere is going to be your best friend (laughs) (laughs) and it's really fun riding on the tractor and mowing the lawn and actually that's now how I find my quiet time that's my I it takes me two to three hours to do the lawn and that's my me time it's too loud I can't talk to anybody and I can kind of go into like almost like a meditative state um and just learning all about so much stuff. I have a pond in my at my farm, and there's these cute little frogs. They're not little, and after doing some research, I found out that they are quite invasive. And if I don't <laughs> take care of them properly, that they could get up to like twenty thousand of them. <laughs> so we're dealing with that right now. I'm letting them live, of course. I definitely live a cruelty-free lifestyle, so I'm not gonna harm anything. But <laughs> keeping an eye. Four right now, don't want 20000 <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're managing that. We've got, you know, a bear who comes by every now and then, and some a deer family and a duck family, and um, I also have my parents on the property.
0: Yes. Um, I was going to ask that actually, because we didn't share that before, but this is not just a Kelly endeavor. This is like, we're bringing the family together now as you have a child to raise, obviously. And now your parents are there helping you. How has that been?
1: I mean, it's been, it's been so good. I think you're, another thing came out from the pandemic here was that when you are separated from your loved ones, it really, obviously everyone's been feeling it right. it, it make such an impact that you may you didn't even realize before and how much of a gift time really is. So that was another reason why I wanted to get this type of a property where my parents could move in. Um, not in the house. They have their own dwelling on the on the property. Uh, but so that we could all just be closer together and share our meals and you know play games together. Um, my mom's health has been slowly Um, kind of deteriorating over the years but I've already seen such a huge difference in her and um, you know she's so much happier my dad's so happy he's loving it the relationship that Finalson gets with his grandparents is just you know priceless and I've we've all we've all absolutely been been loving it and it's just brought us so much closer and yeah I feel very 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 blessed in that sense that this was able to not just kind of live out my dream of being on this farm but to be able to to bring them to and to do this for your your parents i you Mm -hmm. know i think that's everybody's thing your parents do so much for you and then as you become a parent you really see how much they do for you and just to be able to you know give them this kind of a thing is yeah it's been amazing Yeah,
0: it's really special. And again, it kind of like, it talks to that thing we were talking about earlier, which is like the changes of the pandemic and everybody reassessing what's important and what their values are and where meaning is really found in life. And I know you and I have bonded on uh, many levels, but one in particular is that you do have a very spiritual existence as well. It's something that's really, really important to you, but understanding what those values are, what would you say now in seeing kind of Kelly 2.0, as you are now today, uh, building cucumbers, farms, and, (laughs) and, and, you know, what else, managing frog infestations, what does Kelly 2.0 know now about her values and what's important and meaningful in her life that she may not have known pre-pandemic?
1: That, I mean, I think we all kind of, we all kind of think this at times, but, you know, life is so short and it's not guaranteed there's no guarantee so to go after everything that you've ever dreamt of and take away the fear stepping outside of the fear is the hardest thing everything that i've done these big things that i've done in life has been so terrifying and i've never really known the how and so to be able to let go of the how and to just live in the present and be completely in the believing the faith of just it's going to work out how it's supposed to work out. And it's going to take you down the road that it's supposed to take you. Sometimes you're not, it, it's not something that you thought it was going to be, but it could end up being much better than you ever could have dreamed of. And so just, yeah, stepping outside of that fear and, and having faith. That it's going to work
0: out yeah. yeah and and detaching from that outcome i mean i talk a lot about fear being an activator right it is everything and anything that you're called to do is going to be terrifying because the next thing that happens after we step into action is that fear comes up it's the next thing because as human sur- survival kicks in and says but is this safe and so our bodies are trying to keep us safe from something that we have never explored before something that we've never done before if it's new by virtue of the fact that it's new from an evolutionary standpoint, we are going to have the fear kick in and say, but is it also safe? It's new, but is it also safe? And then our minds, of course, when our minds and our egos kick in, we're like, is it also emotionally safe? And we have all these other stories and meetings that come up, things that you and I have talked about today, even, which is like, will I be wanted stuff, stories and reframes that we've had because of other patterns in our life or other things that have happened to us. So really being able to detach from that and knowing that, you know, it's, it might be different. It may look a little different from what we anticipated, but it doesn't mean that we don't do it or that we don't try. I mean, that's such a great lesson here. And you said something that I found really, really interesting as well, which is like life is short. Life is short and we need to just make things happen. And I know you have some personal experience with loss and trauma. It's another reason why you and I have bonded in the past is really seeing these experiences of, holy moly, you can really lose people. You can really lose people. And which means that we are equally as close to, you know, potentially not living out those hopes and dreams. So um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about that for a couple of reasons, because um, there is another book on the horizon for you where a lot of these stories and what has brought you to these revelations uh, is on the horizon, that on this new platform that you are kind of launching that book will also exist one day. And I really do want people to start to get to know you online, start to get to know what you're all about, because there's always, as I say, a deeper reason. There is a deeper why behind everything and figuring out what that is. And particularly in your case, Kelly, I think it's fascinating. And I think that I want the audience to follow along and really figure out, eventually learn a little bit about you through the pages of that book too, which will be just such a gift when it's out on shelves for sure. Um, But everything you're doing, frankly, is just tremendously inspiring. And I think um, this is such a beautiful way to kind of wrap today as well, which is um, let fear be the activator. There's always going to be fear, always going to be fear. But there is also an opportunity in everything, in all kind of painful experiences to have kind of a rebirth. And I'm going to end with something that you told me that I'd love for you to weigh in on here told me in one of our first conversations we ever had which is that uh, children of adoption have two birthdays and you have this opportunity to be literally Kelly 2.0 can you talk to me about that because it was new for me and I'm assuming it might be new for other listeners who are like me have really no information about being adopted or adopting a child what is this about the beautiful two birthdays and the meaning behind it
1: yes so in my family we celebrate the day that we became a family as well as the day the person was born right so we have the regular birthday that everybody does and that one is focused with um either my friends or now finalson's friends but then we have our special birthday and that's for our family to get together and and whoever it is is my birthday or finalson's special birthday get to pick the meal that you want and we just celebrate becoming a family. Um, And I love it. It's the day that my parents share my adoption story, the day that they tell me their experience of me becoming their daughter and how much they wanted me. And now I get to do that with Finelson. And he he seems, I mean, we've had one so far, but he loves it. He loves telling people he has two birthdays, his special birthday. I loved it too. I'm 41 and we still celebrate it. And I still want my parents to tell me that story because of that underlying like need, I guess, of feeling wanted. And so when I tell Sin that I wanted him well before I even knew him, well before he was born even he just can't believe it, right? Because it was hard for him too, right? The, that wait but after we met each other, it was, it was tough. And so to know how badly he was wanted. And so that's what we talk about. And we make it fun and, you know, and, and we talk about with him, it's the story of him getting on the plane and coming to Canada. And it's, uh, it's just been a really fun tradition that we, we love in our family. And I, I cherish it.
0: I think that's beautiful. And, and I love that we have this celebration of just becoming a family. And again, and I, I, I'm not even going to edit it out because I think it's an educational moment when I sort of had that faux pas of saying a, you're an adoptive mom or an adopted mom, um, which is not a term that you embrace and would not advocate for because you are his mom. And so I'm leaving it in because I think it's a, it's a point of teaching here for everybody, um, for people that are not necessarily educated in the adoption space, um, that you are absolutely his mom and that should, should be celebrated for so many reasons. I mean, we don't have to go into all of them today, but for so many reasons that most people probably understand, um, but just really pe- bringing people together. In families, but also in the Dominican, all the work you're doing through this book, through your storytelling journey, and now truly connecting to people about what it means to root into your values and find the things that really matter to you, bringing your parents literally back to your home and reconnecting family. I mean, what an absolutely incredible kind of constellation of belonging that you have created in your life. I think it's beautiful, Kelly. And thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me and for always supporting me the way that you do. I cherish our friendship so much um, personally and through business. And I'm just so grateful that you've come into my life the way that you have.
0: Uh, Likewise, I will be cheering you on always, as you know. Um, But thank you for being a part of Unapologetic Stories.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: This has been such an interesting edit today because Kelly is just, as you can see, she's so dynamic, so many stories, so much kind of happening in her world, and um, I really did tease a lot of backstory here for her, but... There's a reason that I did that and that we didn't delve a ton into the backstory and the details of her life because, first of all, there is a beautiful memoir kind of on the horizon that will be coming up either later this year or early 2022, which I'm very, very excited about working with the self-publishing agency on. It should be just a magical read. But I also think it's important as well to know Uh, particularly in Kelly's story, but everyone's story. And maybe even if we connect this to people, um, which is kind of a thread of Kelly's story anyway, people from different cultural backgrounds, people who um, have been adopted perhaps and have a different origin story than somebody like myself. So I think it's important to know that there is always a story that you don't know about somebody else. There is always a story. There is always a deeper why. There is always patterns and meanings and circumstances and scenarios in their life that we don't know yet. And we actually don't know, and nor should we, or be in control of this, when people want to begin to share those pieces. What we often see is what they're doing out in the world versus why they do what they do, right? As Kelly said so beautifully, it's like we don't necessarily know how somebody got there, right? But we we do want to investigate and be curious about that deeper why. And you know I talk about this all the time. This is not new for me is figuring out the why. But I feel like the calling today for me to end this edit on is really about staying out of judgment, staying out of um, trying to see somebody else's life just through the lens of the happenings or the things that are going on externally outside in the world that we can visually see because those journeys are incredibly unique and it's what sets us all apart. Um, But there is something deeper that really connects us. And when we care enough, truly, when we care enough and we get curious about somebody else's story, and why they are who they are, I think that's where the magic is in this connectivity, this vulnerability of sharing and figuring out who we are and being courageous enough to really dig a little deeper. So anyway, those are my thoughts today. I hope that they resonate with you because Not only do I want you to eventually read this book and follow Kelly and and see what has gone on in her past that's really brought her to this place, um, I just think it's important for all of us to ask more questions, to do more research, to, if we see something happening either at home, in our own backyards, in our own neighborhoods or communities, ask how we can help, ask how we can care more, um, stay in service, and stay out of judgment so that we can all find that deeper sense of belonging. Until next time. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth.